This morning's reading from Jeremiah 30, verses 18 to 24, tells us of the Lord's promise that the people of Israel and Judah will be restored to their lands. You can find this on page 791 of your Pew Bible. This is what the Lord says. I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins and the palace will stand in its proper place. From them will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. I will add to their numbers and they will not be decreased. I will bring them honour and they will not be disdained. Their children will be as in days of old and their community will be established before me. I will punish all who oppress them. Their leader will be one of their own. Their ruler will arise from among them. I will bring him near and he will come close to me. For who is he who will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. So you will be my people and I will be your God. See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a driving wind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purpose of his heart. In days to come, you will understand this. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, you have in your uh, hands uh, some, uh, one or two extra bits of paper which um, are important. One is a little booklet and one is something that one side says all saints trial and either on the other side or on another page says vision for 2016-17. Uh, basically, uh, uh, everything I'm about to say you will find there, and uh, it's for you to take away. It also, if you're in a small group, uh, growth group, then that is all you're getting this week. It is for you to reflect on, discuss, chat about this, and uh, I will email it out to the leaders and email a copy of the booklet so you can send them to people who aren't in your, uh, who aren't here today and want to picked up the paperwork. But that's how it's going to work. As we come to the second of three weeks, looking at our vision. If you weren't here last week, it's probably worth uh, looking at the, uh, listening to the podcast. It was set very much the context for what will be much more practical than I'm going to say today. But let's pray together as we uh, think about these things. Heavenly Father, please open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your words and then shape our life as a church and as individuals that we might live in response to all that we read in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got high hopes. At the end of uh, 8 o'clock communion, I had uh, whooping going on at the end of it. I also had one lady come and tell me that she felt definitely God was calling her into full-time Christian ministry. So I'm expecting big things at the end of 9.30. That was at 8 o'clock, where people presume nothing happens. I tell you, 8 o'clock is the bubbling pot of Troll Church. What is the heart of God's purpose for us as a church? It is found in the answer to a deeper question, which is this. What is the purpose of God's heart for his world? What is the purpose of God's heart for his world? And according to Jeremiah 30, as we looked at last week, it is this. It is to bring release for those held captive and healing to those who are terminally sick. A people held captive and deeply infected by guilt and sin because they refused to live faithfully as God's people. That's how it was 
for the whole of Israel and Judah, and that is how it is in our world today. And the plan of God's heart is that once again, he might become their God and they would be his people. People devoted in relationship to the God who made them, and then he devoted to them day in, day out. That is the way God had always meant life to be, and that is the way life will one day be. That is the plan of his heart. And in the midst of this, how was this going to happen? Well, we saw last week that uh, Jeremiah said that a, a, a king like David would be raised up, King Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. And through his death and resurrection, he brings release from captivity, captivity to sin, to evil, and above all to death, death which is God's judgment that lies upon all people. And he brings healing and transformation of human hearts by the pouring into us the presence of his life-giving spirits. And how is it that we receive and others receive that healing, transforming, uh, releasing work of Jesus? As we heard in Acts 2, as people repent and are baptised in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins... And then they will receive the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says to the crowd who ask him, what should we do? Repent, be baptised, believe, receive forgiveness and receive the working and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is God's purpose for this world. And what is our purpose as a church in the midst of it? Well, as we saw last week, it is to be Jeremiah's. That is, as a church and individually, to be those who proclaim the truth about the way this world is and then to proclaim the truth that there is good news. There is a healer and a saviour. And to encourage others to turn to him. We remember we, uh, we picked up Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, which I'm taking to be a kind of verse for us as a church this year, which you'll see on those sheets. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. We are sent by God as a church and individuals to speak on his behalf and to implore, literally beg people to come back into that relationship with God that they had always been created for. That is the purpose of God's heart. And that is the heart of God's purpose for us as a church. But what is that to look like for us? It's easy to say those words, but what does that mean for us as a church? And particularly as we look at the uh, few months that lie ahead of us. Well, Jeremiah gives a bit of a vision himself in uh, Jeremiah 30 of what this new people of God will be like. What kind of thing do we expect to see God doing as he brings about his purposes? And I've picked out four things, and these are going to be the real four pillars on which this year uh, will be standing. So expect to hear lots about this all year. And if you don't fancy any of it, you're in trouble for the rest of the year. Because this is the game. Okay? Four things. First is this, numerical growth. Do you see there in verse 19? I will add to their numbers, and they will not be decreased. I will add to their numbers, and they will not be decreased. Now, I need to just qualify this slightly. 
What I don't think this is, is a promise that Troll Church will grow year by year by year. You've got to remember, Jesus often went into towns where they rejected him completely and no one responded in faith. Paul, quite often, was found running out of cities, not into them, because they were trying to kill him because they didn't like the message that he was bringing. Therefore, there is no magical formula to how you share the gospel so that people hear and respond. Very, very often, people don't like it, don't want it, will reject it, and that was true in Jeremiah's day. But I do believe that our focus of this year has got to be prayerful anticipation and expectation that God will add to our numbers those who are being saved. Do you remember in Acts, at the end of Peter having given that sermon and them responding, we're told, and God added to their number daily those who are being saved. Surely that is the vision we have as a church, isn't it? Longing that others would come to know the good news of Christ. Not forcing them, not bashing over the head, not just making them sit here because it makes us feel better to have a bigger church. But because this is what human beings were designed for. It's what we were made for. But notice it is God's work. God added to their number. There is no magic formula to seeing people become Christians. I have prayed for my brother for years and years and years. He is still as antagonistic and negative as he ever has been. And maybe that's the same for you, and that's, that's fine. Our business is not to bash people over their heads or to follow manipulate people. We're, not doing, we're offering good news, but people must be allowed to respond. But our role is to implore, to beg. Why? Because we know that there is an awful day coming when God will finally bring this all to a conclusion. There is a kind of time scale to all of this. And Jeremiah knew it. But you see, the thing for Jeremiah was, Jeremiah preached this message for 40 years. His whole family rejected him and his message. All the religious people of uh, uh, Israel and Judah rejected him and his message. But he kept speaking it for 40 years because he knew the day was coming. And he knew this was God's heart and he knew this was God's plan. And the key thing I want to say is I believe that God has laid here in this church some important foundations which with prayer and God's blessing and and our commitments to being involved and being anticipatory and and anticipating that he might do something, whatever the English is I'm looking for, I believe that there are signs that God may well want to add to our number this year. Just look, uh, God has put in place a lot of things for us. We've got our buildings. TCCC, however many C's are on now, fully up and running. An excellent resource for our community engagement and service. It's now well managed and well publicised. It is paying its way pretty well. The Hive Cafe is a tremendous focal point. Many of you don't see it day in, day out. I sit in there and I see it every day. It is extraordinary the connections we are making to people in this community through the Hive Cafe which is leading to conversations and invites to all sorts of things. It is a magnet at the heart of that building. (coughs) There's lots more community interest and bookings for our building. Our church is exploring new ways. A poetry evening. Who went to the poetry evening last night? I understand it was brilliant. 
some from the community, some uh, not shoving stuff down people's uh, uh, throats, but just sharing in the things we enjoy doing together. We're planning uh, quite a lot of uh, dementia support over the next year through using, uh, the, uh, using uh, having a dementia cafe and other things like that for those with dementia and those who are carers, seeking to show that care. So we have a great resource. Secondly, our service patterns. Do you know, it is amazing what has happened in the last four months, which you may not have spotted. Because most of us here are just thinking, uh, I've got to get up earlier. And I, it is my determination that in the next three or four weeks, we stop saying that, even if you feel it. Okay? Especially you, Dave Vesti. And let me tell you why. Because I believe passionately God has done this for a purpose, and I believe we are already seeing that purpose um, show itself, even after three or four weeks. Do you know, four months ago, or no, five months ago, we had an eight o'clock service. Eight o'clock is always eight o'clock. It's steady, it's strong, and they are a great bunch of people. The reality is, at nine o'clock, the numbers were going down and down. Often there were more at eight o'clock than there were at nine o'clock. And it had a feeling that this is going in the wrong direction. So less than 20 sometimes. We then had 11 o'clock, which had lots and lots of people, but we'd probably get about 160 in there. And then the evenings, we had two services, which would get, you know, mid-teens, 10. That was how our service pattern looked five months ago. Well, the last two weeks, we have had about 20 at 8 o'clock. We've had between 100 and 140 at this service. We have had between 50 and 73 at 11.15, and we have had 80 in the evening. How does that work? Can someone explain to me how that works? Because I don't know. Other than that is what God seems to do when you split things down and change things. So I have to tell you, I'm utterly unapologetic if you find this service too early. Because, to be honest with you, I believe this is what God has for us and we need to get on with it and get into it. Because we have already seen, we have picked up a whole load of people who have become distant from church over the last two or three years. That's been the main reason. It's been people who have become disconnected from any church, reconnecting. And we have seen new people coming in. So, he's put in place, I think, four congregations now which have a great heart, a great core, Great space in which to grow. There is no excuse. The space is there for people to come in. We've also established, I think, just our way of thinking about uh, front lines, whole life discipleship. That actually uh, our time here in church is not, uh, it's not just about Sundays. It's about that every day of the week. We're here to encourage, spur one another on and equip one another to live for Christ in everything we do every day. Yes? If I say frontline, most of you go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's in our heads, and now we've got to keep working with that. And also, we've created lots of great opportunities. The women's breakfast last weekend, brilliant. But now our focus has to be on prayerful anticipation and expectation, which involves us being courageous and intentional in the way we go about praying. You'll have in your hands a report. It's written, it's a report that was done as a survey of those who are called themselves Christians and those who are called themselves not Christians. It's been produced by Church of England, Evangelical Alliance and Hope. And uh, it's just uh, really helpful stuff as we seek to engage with one another and with those that we spend time with. Some of us here may not see ourselves as Christians 
and uh, it's got some stuff in there uh, as well about how uh, people who are not yet Christians perceive Christians. Uh, the really interesting take-home is that the, re- the way most people come to Christ is through family and then uh, connections. Actually, it shows that the most important people in this church are parents, actually. That's scary for those of us who are parents. But it also, the other thing it says is, uh, did anyone bring their mobile phones with them? I put it on Facebook. Right, you need to get your mobile phone out now. Mobile phone out and turn it on. You got it? Right, go to your contacts list. Okay, go to your contacts list. Do this at home when you get home. Go to your contact list and just flick if you've got a smartphone. You know, that joyful thing where you go flick and they go flying around. And the thing, what it said here is that one in five of the people, those who are Christians know, one in five statistically are keen to talk more about faith. One in five are keen to talk more about faith. Four, don't want to talk about it at all. Please don't go near me. And that's fine. But somebody wants to talk. One in five of your contact list, statistically. Now, what if that was true of this church? About 280 people came to church last week. What if 280 people in our church began to have conversations with someone who was fairly keen to have them so they're not being bashed over the head? This year, that's 280 people. That means next year we'd have to completely redo our service pattern again because we couldn't get everybody in. That's the bottom line. One person in the whole year. And you look at your contact list. How many people are in there? So what do we need to start doing? Praying. Praying. Praying for the people you care about and love. That they might come and discover what life is about. That they might be God's people and God might be their gods. Secondly, and these are much quicker. Secondly, uh, um, oh no, I haven't, sorry, I was going to tell you something else. Obviously, there's something, uh, the other thing is that as a church, we want to support you in this. And, uh, and just, uh, it tells you on this, some practical things that are coming up. This term, we're going to preach through the book of Acts, which is all about taking the gospel to others. Uh, the whole of this term will be devoted to equipping ourselves. So we've got a, a day on the 6th of February. I think it's the morning Sam and Fran are doing. I know all the parents have had details, but I'm not sure many have responded about how as a church we can work in partnership with parents in bringing up our children to know Christ. It's not a parenting course. It is how we can partner with you as parents in uh, doing that really hard work of parenting our children in, in faith. We've got Rachel Jordan, who's the Church of England National Advisor on Evangelism. She's the top person in the whole Church of England coming to little old Troll to unpack this report for us about what that might mean for us. And there'll be other churches from across Taunton joining us. The PCC are looking specifically at how we connect better with our community. And that's going to lead to things like this dementia support and other things. In Holy Week, we're going to look at how the cross connects with uh, the issues of today. How we can talk about the cross today with people in a way that links in to things that go on in our lives today. Why is it good news for people today? And we've got Dennis Alexander. Dennis Alexander is one of the most prolific writers He's a Cambridge academic at the University of Cambridge who speaks on faith and science and how reasonably is it to believe in God these days. And he is an eminent man and I managed to grab him as he goes on the M5 towards Lee Abbey or on the way back. So he'll be coming to us in April. So there's lots going on. 
Secondly, joyful worship. And I want to link these two. It says here that there's a, a community, it says, uh, from them will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. Again, because uh, I was anticipating we might get a bit of niggling over church pattern service, <laughs> church uh, service patterns, is actually, I guess my vision is that we would very quickly get over that and that when people come to this church, what do they hear people talking about? What do they see on our faces? I've noticed you've become glummer since we went earlier in the morning. I would tell you that. You used to be a smiley service. You've now become glummer. So this is for us particularly. See, what it's saying here is when this new kingdom was established, you could hear the praises and thanksgivings of the people. Whenever you're around them, you're going, gosh, what's going on in there? (laughs) They sound a little excitable. And actually, that's what people should be hearing about this church. Gosh, what is going there? They sound really rather excitable. I was reading an article yesterday, and this is what someone was said. And that reminds me, joy suffers whenever we are too big and God is too small. Joy suffers whenever we are too big and God is too small. That is, the things going on in our lives overwhelm us, and God seems too small to do anything about it. He said, the fuel of joy is gratitude, and the fuel of gratitude is wonder. But gratitude disappears when wonder dies. And I want to suggest that one of the keys this year will be to rediscover our wonder in God, in who he is and in what he's done for us, and in what he is doing amongst us. That is, we won't get to the end of the year, and if I said to you, hey, what's God doing around you? Where have you seen God at work? And you go, I've absolutely no idea. I can't remember the last time I had any sense that God did anything. What is the vision is that by the end of this year, I could say to anyone in this church, you go, do you know what? I've seen him, and sometimes it may have been in the hardest things, but I've seen God at work. I've seen his blessings. I can point to what he's done. And that that fuels our uh, worship. You see, worship bands cannot lead worship. They can uh, lead us uh, to do certain things, but they cannot lead worship. Only the wonder of God can lead worship. Only the wonder of God. You can be made to think things, but you cannot be made to feel things. And it's got to come. These are people who are excited by what's going on. And I simply ask you, are you? Well, we're going to spend the whole of the time after Easter up to the summer talking about worship. That is going to be front and centre. We're going to do lots of stuff on worship. We're going to get people in from different backgrounds to talk about what worship is to them, from very charismatic to very not charismatic, and everything in between. Okay? So that we can be provoked to think about worship. But not just what we do on a Sunday. But how we uh, engage with God such that we're aware of what he's doing in our lives. Uh, There are two other things which I'm not going to spend any time on because they will get worked out. The third is a community will be established. Actually, in another version, it says a community in which I take pride. I think the key thing here is that in putting together three new uh, congregations, we're going to have to work really hard this year to really cement them together. And in fact, I think the reality is that as a church, we're going to have to do more things congregationally than as a whole church. And actually, that's the way, if you're going to grow, you have to think. 
we have to think much more congregationally than we do as a whole church. So we're going to look to get little teams who have an oversight of each congregation. So we're looking for people to represent this congregation to come together and meet from time to time to say, how's the congregation doing? How are we moving forward? How's it happening? So it's not just being kind of controlled from central office, but actually it's being worked on by those. And each congregation will have that. And we're looking to raise up leadership from within each congregation for that congregation. Which then leads to the last thing is that at the heart of this must be devoted leadership. And when you read all the uh, stuff on church growth, and we are, as I've said to you before, a classic church for plateauing and needing to move on to the next stage. If we wanted to move on to the next stage, if we're going to have a church that might have 280 other people by the end of this year, at least wanting to find out a bit more, you have to organise yourselves very differently. And PCCs have to understand their role differently, the staff team. We're going to need more leaders and more leaders who take on significant roles of leadership and oversight so that things don't just go through the vicar because if it goes through the vicar it will go very slow so that we have others who are identifying how to bring people into positions of leadership train them and send them out and so the PCC as well as working on the community links that is the other key focus for the PCC this year that's what we're going to be working on but it will involve lots of us getting involved four key pillars numerical growth joyful worship Strong community, devoted leadership. Your job is by next week to have memorised those four. <laughs> Does this make you a little bit excited or not? Yes. Does it? Yes. Great, I was getting worried because you did look a bit glum. <laughs> so I'll be at the back. Anyone feels they've been called to ordain ministry, come and find me. <laughs> I'm expecting three from this service. And uh, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>